a new year full of surprises. But one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts of up to 89% off USPS and UPS services. So when postage goes up, your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com is like your own personal post office, wherever you are. You can even take orders on the go with the mobile app. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Schedule package pickups, automatically find the cheapest and fastest shipping options, and seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. There's even a supply store where you can stock up on mailing supplies, labels, even printers. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. All you need is a computer or phone and printer. Take a chunk out of your mailing and shipping costs this year with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Hello, listeners. Thank you for joining us for another bonus episode of Killing Dad, the Crystal Howell Story. You're here with Melissa and Kelly. We have an update for you as Kelly went to go see Crystal in prison, person to person, face to face. Uh, we're going we're gonna to tell you about that. And we also have a member of the Howell family joining us for a wonderful conversation. So I live in Los Angeles, and I'm not able to visit Crystal as much as I would like to. All of my communication with her is over the phone or via email. Kelly lives in Southern Carolina. Kelly, how far is it a drive from your house to get to Crystal and Anson Prison? I'm so lucky. She's only about an hour, hour and 15 minutes from me. And it's all back roads. So I don't have to worry about uh, any sort of traffic. And it's a nice, it's a nice, lovely drive, except I have no cell phone reception anywhere along the way, which is kind of good. It's it's a great time for me to just sit and reflect on everything and kind of go through my thoughts of what I want to talk to Crystal about when I go see her. Because as you know, you've been with me to go see Crystal. There's only so much time you're allowed. It's either one hour or two hours and like, that's it. So you kind of have to make sure you get everything out, you know, that that you possibly can when you're there face to face. And so, yeah, I went I went a few days ago uh, to go see Crystal and she looks fantastic. I mean, she's always looked fantastic, but she looks so healthy. She looks so great. She was in such great spirits. And and I love that. And, you know, I, I will never forget this. And I hope I hope she's OK with me saying this, but you know, the first time I went to go see her solo, you know, she looks at me and I'm sitting across from her and she goes, God, I don't know what we're going to talk about for two hours, you know, because it's like, what haven't we already said, you know, that on our on our phone interviews, what are we going to say in person now? Well, next thing you know, you know, we're getting the warning that you only got five minutes left. Those two hours went by in the blink of an eye. So when I went to go see her this time, you know, it was only for an hour visit, uh, and again, it's the same thing. It's, it's, you know, we just, we sit there and we talk like schoolgirls. you know, honestly, now it's kind of how it is. And I keep her posted on everything, kind of tell her what's all going on, uh, you know, messages people have been giving us, you know, to give to her reactions that it's been. And yeah, the time just absolutely, absolutely flies. It really does. Wait, didn't you get in trouble on one of the prison visits? Did you pull out a piece of paper or a pen or what did you do where you were yelled at? <laughs> I did. I probably shouldn't be saying this, uh, but I, I apologize profusely. I had, I had like a little, little piece of note paper of some things I wanted to talk to her about. And I didn't want to forget, uh, you know, TMI for the audience, you know, I have menopause brain, so I, I can't remember a lot of things half the time. And it takes me a while to kind of be like, what did I want to say? 
So I brought in a piece of paper to, to, to tell her a few things. And this was, this was a, a visit a while ago. Uh, and yeah, I had it out and to, to my, my stupidity, it was on a piece of bright yellow paper. So that might've been a <laughs> big red flag, but yeah, I, it got, it didn't necessarily get confiscated, but, uh, you know, the, the lovely guards at Anson Correctional Facility who are, are lovely and wonderful, uh, and they're so respectful and curious, uh, courteous, uh, she just said, please put that away, ma'am. And I'm like, got it. Thank you. But I was allowed back in, obviously, because I was allowed to uh, go see her a few days ago. (laughs) It is a bit nerve wracking because you want to follow the rules, but you also want Crystal to feel comfortable. And it's not the most comfortable setting. But once you I was able to visit her once when we met for the first time, all three of us. And it was it was nice. So she she has this purpose. It's to get her story out. How did she respond when you told her? I mean, we're nearing almost a million downloads. When you relay information like this, which was always her goal to reach, you know, young people. And we have young people, we give selected individuals her address, you know, people we feel have good hearts and good intention and people from around the world have reached out to us to contact her and including a lot of younger people who felt like Crystal was living a parallel life to their lives. How is she reacting to all of that news? You know, she's humbled. You know, she she really is very humbled by all this. Now, granted, this was the goal going into this project was to get the word out about her story and to reach other people. And now that she's hearing those things that it is and that it's working, you know, she's humbled. She's happy to hear that. You know, her focus is definitely, definitely shifted from feeling that there is no end in sight and no hope to now finally feelings of hope and purpose. And you can see it on her. You know, the first time we went to go see her, you you could see the devastation in her and the loss and the sadness. But now and now, you know, when I've gone to see her the last couple of times, because she is so close to me that it's just, she, she has just this different aura around her and, and I'm, I'm happy for her in that aspect. And that's what we wanted to do. Um, Give her that bit of hope because her prison sentence is not a death sentence. There is the light at the end of the tunnel and for her to keep up having that hope and that purpose this is what's given her that. And to hear of the people saying they've been in her position, her story was inspiring. It brings her to tears, but in a good way. And and that gives her hope. And as you all know, in episode 10, the one thing that we did talk about when I was there the other day is it we're coming on nearly a year from her last suicide attempt. And we we openly talk about it. And she said, I have not had a single thought of suicide since that last attempt because I feel like I have so much purpose now and so much drive. And, and that makes me extremely happy. And and so mind you, not mind you, but you know, please everybody know that that she, you know, we send her copies of, of your responses and your notes and your well wishes, and that keeps her going too. And I'm so proud of her. And that's all I kept saying to her on the coming up on the year anniversary was I am so proud of you and how far you have come. 
Also, she's in regular communication with her mom, which is news. And again, we would love to one day, the door is always open. We would love to talk to her. You know, I did a few years ago and I, I, it's really about the family and helping Crystal with a sentence reduction. That door is always open and, and I'm hopeful for that as well. I'm happy to see that they're in better communication. She also wrote a letter to you to share with all of her listeners. So please read that to us. What did she have to say? She did. She did. So she's got a message for everybody listening. Here is the letter that Crystal wrote to everybody. Hello, listeners. I would like to thank all of you who have made it through the series. All of you who have taken the time to invest your hours and energy into my story. Without all of you, I would still be sitting in my own silence. Also, a big thank you to each and every person who has stopped to sign the online petition in favor of my release. If my dreams of freedom becomes a reality, I promise I won't let you down. I'd like to thank each person that contributed to the podcast as well as each person that has supported and loved me unconditionally through my entire incarceration. And a special thank you to Kelly and Melissa. You two have helped to amplify a voice that I've always had, but have never known how to use. It has been a long and winding road, but thank you for seeing the girl behind the story. You guys pushed all your chips in and placed your bet on me. For that, I am eternally grateful. Love, Crystal. I just love the evolution of seeing how good she is at expressing herself emotionally. You know, it's really impressive. A lot of people much older than her still can't do it to this day. That's really exciting. Also, we're going to talk to Brenda Ennis. I'm eager to see what she thought about the series. We are joined now by Crystal's great aunt, Brenda. Brenda, how are you? I'm good. Good. Well, thank you so much for joining us. You know, now that you've listened to all of the episodes of of Killing Dad, the Crystal Howell story, we wanted to get your your reaction. You know, what did you think of, you know, hearing it all for the first time? I thought it was, you know, done exceptionally well. And I think you covered the story completely. And it was interesting to watch Crystal, even though I already knew this, Crystal blossom from that scared little girl into the young woman she is today besides all her obstacles you know and um hopefully this will encourage a lot of people especially people going through divorce not to put the children in the middle of it and pull them from one side to the other you know it's just a sad sad situation Well said. And I thought she articulated her emotions really well. I mean, I know people in their 40s and 50s that can't articulate their feelings and their emotions in dark times like she did. And I thought she did a commendable job. You know, it's so interested because um, there wasn't a big presence from the Howell family itself. Uh, You were really the strong representative, but also people don't realize how close you and Michael were. I mean, he lived with you for a portion during his darkest days through the divorce. What was the reception and the feedback from the rest of the Howell family? Did they even listen? Did they listen to it all? Were they not interested in it? I think, you know, some people are black and white. You know, they're like, she did it. That's it. 
but and that's just really one that I know so black and white, but I don't know that they've listened to it. But I think anybody that will listen to her story and a lot of this, I had to research and reach out and find all these, help y'all find these people. And it was all verbatim for what she said. I think the ones I've talked to that have listened to it, they're in awe that they are shocked because they had no clue. You know, just like I truly didn't have a clue what all she was going through. Had I comprehended or knew anything, I would have stepped in, you know, but you don't expect people to go berserk, you know, but I imagine it does happen more often than people realize. And I think they're discovering that, uh, you know, I don't think children do these things without a reason behind it. There may be one in a million that would, but most of them have been through a lot of things to get to that point. And I think, no, I don't think anybody on this side really realized what was happening, what was taking place, you know, because they were up in the mountains, you know, and nobody here really saw them. And basically, Mike was not, he was more of a recluse, you know, he, growing up, he didn't have a lot of contact you know, his mom, they didn't have a lot of contact on with this side of the family. And it was nothing, no harsh feelings, but it was just they weren't attached because his dad was dead. And um, so therefore, you know, we didn't grow. He didn't grow up as close to all the, the side of the family. You know, Brenda, you kind of touched upon it a little bit on that first question that, you know, saying it was so nice to see Crystal finally blossom and find the strength in her voice, which Mm -hmm. I think Melissa will attest to this too. You know, you go from the first time we interviewed her where you, you hear the trepidation and the hesitation. And then, you know, as we go along, it just, it flows and flows and flows and flows. And, and you've been there for Crystal since all of this happened. Um, so I, I want to know from you, you know, how have you seen her grow over the years, despite the fact that she has been incarcerated? I think she's, you know, she wants to enrich her, her life. She wants to learn things. She wants to have a career one day, you know, and I think she does have hope instead of feeling totally hopeless now. Hopefully, from all of this, we'll, she'll get to go um, back to court and have a resentencing case or something, and that we'll find an attorney that will help her. And had she had a real attorney from the beginning, I think things would have been totally different, you know. But um, she just basically got pushed down the river, you know. I think you're right about the attorney aspect, because growing up as a a news and crime journalist for 20 years, I have a lot of friends, close friends and colleagues who are prosecutors and defense attorneys. And it's interesting how um, all of the prosecutor friends of mine have all agreed on the draconian, absurdly aggressive 
a sentence for a juvenile, especially with these, you know, mitigating circumstances. So it is shocking. And it's the bigger picture that we're advocating for. Uh, I also want to bring up something. And the only reason I'm bringing it up is we haven't talked about it. The most powerful episode to me where I just cry every time is episode 10. And I'm bringing it up because we've had a lot of young people, um, teenagers, early 20s, um, 30s who have reached out all over the world and said what an impact the story has had on their lives that they were once in Crystal's position and her being so forthcoming with the suicide attempts and struggling and trying to be heard was very impactful on young people. That was our goal is to have this rawness to help change. It was Crystal's goal to help save lives. How did you feel listening to the suicide attempts and her talking about what she struggles with? I, I felt, I'm heart, heartbroken, I guess, you know, from the beginning when the uh, an event would happen when she would be in jail, you know, that she was there by herself. And basically in prison, you don't get a lot of emotional help, mental help. You know, it's very hard to even get any medicines there. And to, to feel so hopeless and to see her go, go from being hopeless and have no hope in her future some times to what she told her story. And I didn't have a clue what took place. All I knew was that something had happened that, you know, that there was some reason all of this happened, but I didn't know what. And when she told her story and you know, she got it, let it out. I think she has just found her voice and is and is open to telling the world and in hopes of helping the world and of changing things. You know, I think every young person should be afforded a very good attorney. I don't know how to word that, but, you know, it shouldn't be a court appointed. It sh should be some kind of way to gauge when you're getting true attorneys that want to help people. But uh, you run into that even if you're paying not, of them not being that way. So it's uh, I don't know what the answer is, but I do know that it should be looked into. Why did this child run away? Why did this child do this? Why? You know, they don't just do it, you know. And I feel that had anybody stopped and said, let me talk to her, like that one mother that encouraged her to call. She said, I knew she was abused. I could tell the way she behaved. And she encouraged her to call the police. And, um, you know, more of us would do those things. Maybe we could stop some of the things that happen in this world. But it's so easy not, and not all of us are that intuitive, I guess. Brenda, how was this process for you? You know, you're just as much of a victim in this story, you know, as, as you lost a family member as well. How was it for you telling your side of the story as well? It was, it, it was heartbreaking in the aspect that I feel like my hands are tied. And were tied, you know, when I went to the court case when it went to court and, you know, 
I'm going, is this all there is to it? What am I supposed to do? You know, but I'm thinking you're really not, you know, her mom, you're not an integral part of that side of the family. You know, I'm this outsider, basically. So what right do I have to say or do anything, you know? And I felt very helpless. That would be the word, word, helpless, on how to help her. I did know that I was going to do all I could do to financially and in that aspect to help her and see that she had the things she needed and wanted, you know, to make it as tolerable as possible for her while she was serving her sentence. But I mean, for you, Brenda, you know, we spent a lot of time talking to you and you talking about the Howell family. How is it for you, though, personally to share your story uh, and how you experienced everything throughout all this and doing it through the podcast? Well, it's liberating in the fact that I feel like that she will be get her justice, hopefully, you know, and that she will truly be heard and seen, you know, so that gives me great joy in my heart to feel like, hey, all of this was so worth it, you know, to get to this end and to hope that there is a future for her. And I know you told me that Crystal was concerned that when she got out, I may wouldn't be here. You know, well, hopefully I'm going to be here a long time. And how how genuine you you both of you are in the aspect that you told her she didn't have to worry that you would take her she you would be she would come live with you there was no problem if i'm dead and gone she's got it i've told her that yes i've i've got her covered she never has to worry about a roof over her head so long as i am still living and breathing as well <laughs> and hopefully i'm here a long time <laughs> You know, it's so interesting because I think that people see, just on a personal note, um, and what Kelly said, people look at us like, okay, you have two journalists. Um, you know, I'm 20 years in the in industry and I came from news and they think that I don't have the right to have an opinion or to lean a certain way. But with Crystal's story, I was advocating for what I feel was an injustice of her sentence. You know, I'm a believer in rehabilitation and second chances, mitigating circumstances, you know, giving people a shot at life and those who deserve it. You know, there's maybe a small 1% of like true born and bred sociopaths that don't deserve a second chance. You know, Crystal is somebody who makes your heart ache and it's just, she's really a teenager that could have been millions of other teenagers. And she's someone that deserves fighting for when it comes to the justice system, the juvenile justice system that Mm -hmm. isn't set up in a fair and balanced you know, right way for modern day today society. And so just for all the people that don't think a journalist deserves an opinion, you know, that it's, this is me just, and Kelly telling a story that we believe in and with the bigger picture of changing the system and, and helping those that we can by highlighting the deficiencies in a system that needs to be changed. The laws have to be changed. Mm-hmm. I think the two of you are doing a great service for our country and for the young people that do get swept through the system, you know, and have nobody, no voice through anybody, you know. Had y'all not come along, I don't think she would be in the position she is today of hope 
And I don't know, you know, we had many people we talked to, but nothing ever quite came through. And I think y'all came through at the right time because I think it was really wearing on Crystal all the heartache and heartbreak that she's had. So Brenda, obviously, you know, a lot of people have been, uh, you know, sending messages of support for Crystal uh, and, you know, whether it be on the petition website, you know, whether it be in the comments, you know, of the podcast, what, what do you hope are the next steps of all of this? What do you want to see happen next? What would I like to see happen next? I would like to see an attorney step forward and be willing to go to bat for her. And that's the first thing, because that's what she's going to, I'd like for the DA to truly listen to the story with an open mind and then, you know, see what how she feels. I would like for Crystal, for this to go on and make a movie and Crystal benefit financially so that when she does get out, she will feel like she has something, you know. I will help her as much as I can, but, you know, I have, I can only do so much, you know. But those are the things I hope. I hope she gets out and she has a future ahead of her. Also, you know, when we talk about her getting out, you know, people are, it's not as though we're suggesting tomorrow, you know, we're just saying there's so many aspects of a resentencing that she could get, uh, you know, especially the fact that a juvenile's mind isn't even fully, nobody's mind is fully developed until 25 years old. I mean, the uh, five to seven year charge for failure to report a body should be, you know, disintegrated in, in just in law in general. I mean, we're just, even if it's five years taken off her sentence, it's a huge win. And you're right. It starts with an attorney. It starts with an attorney who uh, believes and wants to be a part of changing, you know, the system, the system for juvenile sentencing. Mm -hmm. And we encourage that for all the attorneys listening. It's interesting. I've had a lot of mental health experts reach out, comment to me on social media, on the Apple reviews. It's fascinating for people in the mental health industry. They all say she was misdiagnosed. I won't go into, you know, what they believe, but it's just fascinating um, their take on it all. And, and it's, it keeps the conversation going. But I think the next step is an attorney. She has an appeal coming up, we should mention. And Crystal's doing it herself again. It's, you know, it's not going to go anywhere. I mean, we're going to, we have a petition and there's steps that we're all taking, but we're not attorneys. And I think that's the most important step for her. I agree. Brenda, you know, hundreds of thousands of listeners have listened to Crystal's story. And a lot of it, a lot of them, you know, the story resonated with them. Do you have a message for everybody that listened to the podcast and to Crystal's story? Yes, I would like everybody that listens to it to go on to the petition and make their decision what they feel was the right thing. You know, and I think once you listen to her whole story, I think 99% of people would say that her, her sentence was very unfair and that she should have gotten lots of mental help, which is, the judge said that she would get all this mental help when during the little hearing thing. But I can attest to the fact there's not a lot of mental help in the 
prison system. Brenda, thank you for welcoming us into your home, your story, your heart. You're so lovely. Everyone loves Aunt Brenda. (laughs) You really are that family member we all wish we had. So thank you so much. Oh, thank you both for all y'all's hard work and for believing is the biggest thing. Thank you. Thank you, Brenda, so much. And of course, the fight for Crystal is not over. Now we have some really exciting news. We're happy to share. But first, uh, we're listening, we're reading, we're watching everything. If you want to continue to contact us on Instagram, I'm Melissa McCarty and the number one, Kelly. I have absolutely no idea what my name is on Instagram. Uh, So here's the challenge for you all. If you want to message me, you got to put on your you know, citizen detective cap and try to find me on Instagram. And if you do feel free to message me, good luck. (laughs) She means it. Um, And listen, we're nearing a million downloads and we are thrilled with some of your comments brings me to tears. There are some that we want to address Um, when it comes to these uh, comments about one-sided coverage and one-sided journalism. um, I didn't, I thought we explained it clearly in the series, but I guess it's worth mentioning. You know, I tried for a year during the making of this, an entire year. I have sent countless interviews to law enforcement, to the detectives who did the interrogation with Crystal. I repeatedly, I was at one point begging for them to go on the record. They declined every single time. They wanted nothing to do with with this, which is shocking because I've spent my entire career interviewing law enforcement and detectives. We have the arresting officers and the arresting detectives, but you know, the integral investigators, they refused. So the story goes on. And, you know, we reached out to certain family members. They refused. We got everybody that we possibly could have. And just remember, Michael Howell didn't have this big abundance of people in his life. Like Brenda mentioned, he didn't have, you know, a lot of people in his inner circle. It was Holt who we interviewed. It was Brenda who we interviewed. It was golfing buddies who we interviewed. So, you know, we tried just because you're not here in law enforcement. We got the most important person of them all. It's the district attorney. She is the most important person on the case. And she was very candid and open. And we're going to continue to follow up with her. Well, and I can't thank D.A. Walsh enough for taking the time to to sit down and talk with us. You know, we talked for almost an hour and she didn't have to. You know, she absolutely did not have to. So I I respect and I appreciate her doing that. And I really hope that she's listened to all 10 episodes and and she knows she can contact us at any time if she wants transcripts of the podcast, if she wants transcripts of the interviews, if she wants anything, we will vomit them on her desk, whatever she possibly needs. And I don't know what more else we could have done in terms of, of getting other representation from this. If you go back and listen to every episode, just like Melissa said, we say we tried to reach out, they declined to comment, or they never responded at all. You know, her public defender, we left voicemails, we sent emails, I sent a Facebook message. Like, I don't know what more I can do, uh, you know, to try to get, look, people are going to talk if they want to talk. You can't make somebody comment if they do not want to. But I I think that we gave the most fair and balanced uh, story possible with the people that wanted to talk. And before we go into our exciting announcement, 
Uh, we're also seeing a few, thankfully only a few of the hundreds of thousands of the, you know, the sound effects. Listen, Kelly and I come from 20 years of doing television. So when we set off to do a podcast for the first time in our careers, we thought let's create a movie for the ears, you know, and that's what we're trained to do, tell stories on television on a certain platform where there's stimulation, visually, audio. So we tried to convert that to audio. We we get it. We're going to tone down the sound effects. We just wanted to bring the story to life because to me, if you feel it, you know, if 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 you feel it with sound effects and, and music, it's going to trigger an emotion and you're going to be more invested, you know, triggering emotion, anger, outrage, sadness. It is, you know, I use, I come from local news and I was given 90 seconds for five o'clock, six o'clock, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock news. I was given 60 seconds, 90 seconds at the most to tell a story. How do you evoke change and make people pay attention and care with 60 to 90 seconds? So it was exciting to have this platform as storytellers coming from television. We get it. Too many, you know, too much going on. We'll tone it down with our new announcement. <laughs> well, and I, you know, look, I, one thing I want to say to those people that didn't like it, thank you for giving a chance, for giving it a chance. Thank you for, for trying it, listening in it. And, and if it's not, if it's not your bag, totally get it hundred percent. But I, I would respect respectfully request that you maybe go back and listen to it, give another try and really look at the underlying message. And that is the absolute miscarriage of justice when it came to Crystal Howell sentencing. And you look at all the extenuating circumstances that that she overcame. You know, Melissa and I've talked about this at length. And if we had a chance to go back and do it, would we do it differently? Probably. But I think if you take that all aside, turn your ears off to that part and listen to the actual story and the words that Crystal is saying. I think it, you, I, I would hope that, that you would see the forest through the trees or the trees through the forest. However, that, however that saying is supposed to go, but thank you to everybody. Even if you didn't like it, at least thank you for giving it a try. We really do appreciate it. Again, in approaching a million downloads. So on that note, we have a season two coming a season two of killing dad. Can we say the title yet or no? Are we withholding? <laughs> we have to withhold. Ooh, uh, let's withhold it for now. Uh, not to, not to be teasy, but, um, I'm just going to say very bad things. Do doers of very bad things. Let's just, let's just leave it at that. We'll withhold the title for now, but we are going to release, uh, the album cover in a trailer in about a week or two for a season two. And I'll have to, oh man, this is just one of the most insane cases I have ever come across in my career. And the cut line is basically when truth is more compelling than fiction. I'm telling you, it's going to be hard to believe this is all true. And it really happened. I mean, the the prosecutor that we worked with, he says it's a Coen Brothers movie. It's a Guy Ritchie, Quentin Tarantino movie. I could not agree more. It is the most craziest story you've never heard of. We can't wait to bring it to you. And I will say we have absolute inside exclusive information on this case. It is the wildest, craziest true crime case that you have never heard of. And Melissa and I are the only people in the country with these interviews, with the inside information, with the case file. So we are bringing you all of the down and dirty details of, I'll just say, a crime spree. Thank you again. We appreciate you. Thanks for listening.